friends, and welcome to There's No People Like Show People, the podcast that connects and reconnects the theater community, inspires hope, and strives to help people not feel so alone. I am your host, Sarah Philibon. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to yet another episode of There's No People Like Show People. I hope that wherever you are in the world on this fine day, you are well, you are happy, you've turned on this podcast episode to just take a breath, relax, hang out with some some theater friends, and, you know, have fun. I just actually, I downloaded this app on my phone and a friend, it came highly recommended from one of my best friends. It's called I Am and it's free to download. I think it has like in-app purchases, but you can also, I have the free version of it. And it's all about positive affirmations. And the one that just popped up on my phone said, I am worthy of great things in my life. So with that being said, we have a great guest for you today. We've actually only done one show together, but his presence is just so, I would say, magnetic and dynamic and and his strength on stage is just such an inspiration. He is an actor and a playwright. He writes for Onstage Blog, and he has performed with the Metropolitan Opera. So welcome to the podcast, Kevin Ray Johnson. Thank you so much. Maybe feels really special there. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that I feel like that is one of my goals of being a host of this podcast is to make sure that all of my guests feel number one, comfortable, but also they feel special. So definitely, definitely. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my good. No, thank you. Really thank appreciate you. It. Well, and here's the crazy thing. So we both realized a couple of days ago that we're both in the state of Maryland right now. Yeah, literally down the street from each other. <laughs> and we didn't so, even we didn't even know it. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. I was like, because I remember you I remember when we first talked, you um we kind of knew a lot of the same people. And I was just like still confused. Like, how did how did we never meet coming up in the theater road in Maryland? I was like, it's kind of crazy, like we never met, but like we know all the same people, like Alex Pepper and many others. So yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Did you well <laughs> you grew up in Maryland, yes? I, I I grew up in Minnesota and I moved to Maryland when I was 16. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, my mom, like for my mom's job, like we moved to Germantown, Maryland, but I'm like originally from Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. I was born in Macon, Georgia, but I am originally from Brooklyn Park. That's where I say I'm from, so. Oh, okay. And how did you get into theater? My mom, like, would always tell me, I, the simple answer is my mom. Um, like, she would always tell me these stories about how I would just quote the Wizard of Oz movie. I guess, like, my favorite line, and it was, like, me saying, like, I'll bide my time from the Wicked, the Wicked Witch line and things like that. And, like, I remember um, I my first show that I ever saw that I remember ever seeing was when my mom, she had a theater company called Miss Mary's Playhouse and they put on a show called um, an African musical, African-American musical called Pearly. And that was like the first time I just like got introduced to live theater. Um, I was enthralled by it because like the second act of the musical, it starts with um, a, a song called The First Thing Monday Morning. And it's just basically like, it was like five or six just black men on stage with these booming baritone voices. And I just remember like, that was the first time I was like blown away by theater, like, wow. And so like, it was like always in my life really, but I like really started getting more into it like in middle school and high school and things like that, so. Yeah, what's the first show that you did? Well, the first show I ever did that I, I can um, be proud of is when I played the wolf in The Boy Who Cries Wolf in my third grade class. I, I feel that was like my, magnum opus work but um like I think like, um <laughs> I think the first show that like like I was I um was thinking about this the first show that I ever did that like was really important to me that made me realize okay this is what I want to do is when I actually did Oliver when I was 18 that was like the first show that I was like okay this is I want to do this and then like it was followed by me doing a musical review called show tunes it was just like a Jerry Herman music review. And then like, that's when I got like, okay, this is what I want to do. Like I did, I did, I was like, I was a part of musicals in middle school and high school, like Beauty and the Beast and things like that. 
but that's when I was like, okay, this is what I really want to do. So did you, did you go to college for theater? I went, I went to college. I um, studied at Montgomery College in Rockville, like, which, like, you know, a lot of people don't realize has a very solid theater program. And then, like, after that, like, I just, um, I could have went to a four-year, but I just really wanted to get into the theater business. I really did. And, like, I was fortunate enough, like, a little bit after leaving Montgomery College to um, book a national tour with the Kennedy Center Theater for Young Audiences. So, like, the rest of it was just, the rest was history, as they would say. But, like, yeah, I was at Montgomery College for three years. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause you've traveled a lot. I mean, you've worked all over the place. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been, I've been fortunate. Like in my twenties, I just kind of was like, I'll just go wherever I can, if it's feasible or if like it's realistic, I'll try to do it. But like the, um, with that way of thinking, I um, ended up literally all the way in Alaska one time performing in a production of Next to Normal. So I was just like, wherever anybody will, will love for me to do theater, I will be there. <laughs> like in the tw- when you're in your 20s, you're just anxious and just wanting to do it. That, that's what I just did. So yeah. Yeah, I look back on my 20s, because we're both in our 30s now. And yeah. I look back at my 20s and they were just, wow. <laughs> Roller coaster, right? Oh, a, 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 truly a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of like, I was like, I, like, that was fun. But at the same time, I was like, wow, what was I thinking (laughs) at the same time? So it kind of goes both ways, but I'm always thankful for like all the people. I met so many people. I'm so thankful for just how kind everyone was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's cool when you get to travel so much because you you know people all over the world. And and I know you like to go on road trips. You've been going around to go to all the national parks. That's been been my thing. I remember like, when I was doing Little Mermaid with you and Jeremy last summer, I remember like me and my wife were trying to figure something out. I remember one night after a show, I was like, let's just go on the road. <laughs> and, and, she, and like, I know she she needed a second to process it, but I was like, let's just hit the road. Let's just go places. And I remember like, and like, we were just like, it wasn't really like a, a national park road trip, but we were just like, let's just go places. And we were for, fortunate enough to see like a lot of national parks that like I've always kind of wanted to see. So like, yeah, that's just kind of been a thing. Like just kind of like, it kind of gives you like perspective. Like, you know, like things have been around before you and things will be around after you type of thing. So yeah, just kind of like a Zen thing for me to be on the road just to drive, you know? Yeah. When did you move to New York? I moved, I originally moved to New York. Um, I've been living in New York off and on for a long time, but I originally moved to New York in 2012, I think like like 2011, 2012, like the first time, because I, I, I moved to New York originally because I got cast in an off-Broadway musical that was like an open-ended run and it was called the Love Note Musical, which is basically a middle girl, I mean, a middle school version of Mean Girls. That's what I literally tell everyone. Like, and I remember getting cast and I was blown away. I was like, you guys do realize like I'm six foot four and I weigh like 230 pounds. They're like, no, it's like adults playing kids. I was like, oh, okay, phew. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was like the first time I ever got, I like moved to New York. So that was like almost like nine, 10 years ago. So it's kind of been, like an off and on thing ever since. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Well, and I feel like we have to talk about the Met because that's so, <laughs> so exciting. So super exciting to get to sing with, with the Metropolitan Opera. Yeah, performing at the Met, like, you know, when you're like a super and you're the chorus or anything like that, it is just a surreal moment. Um, I can say without a doubt, like it was the first time um, I ever got to perform at the Met was when I was a soldier in Aida. Literally, I would go on stage and walk on stage and like march on stage. And I remember like this, there were so many nice people. Everyone at the Met, when you, when people, there are some people who just like work at chorus people or extras for years. Like there are people I met there that like have been there since the nineties, which is so cool to me. And, but like, there wasn't like a, when you meet them, they didn't like treat you like, oh, well, seniority or anything. They were like very welcoming and kind. And I remember one guy just jokingly coming up to me and was like, don't get blown away when you see, when you like, see the audience I was like and for me at this time I'm like I'm not arrogant but I'm like I've been doing theater for a long time it I'll be fine and I was fine but like the moment you walk because like there was one time when we marched across stage and then I came back on stage and then I, I did like um you know and, and like we're on the line on stage at the end of this act and there were so many people in the audience and it was just kind of like a a cold chill but like a cool thing because you see all these eyeballs looking at this stage and it was just so surreal it was so crazy and then like you know after that, I got to perform in Tarando, uh, sorry. And um, it that was a fun thing. And then like, you know, that led into like me getting into Porgy and Bess, which was nominated for two Grammys. We get to find, like, you know, make sure you watch the Grammys on the 14th. And um, <laughs> it was, it's, 
it, it was kind of like, um, like I gotta be honest, like, cause I was just, I was a standby in it, but like, even with that, I, there were moments where I was like, how, why am I here? <laughs> there were like, there were people like literally, um, I, I turn one way and I see Camille Brown, who's been nominated for like two Tony Awards for her choreography. And I look another way and I see Denise Graves, who I learned because I was a voice major in college. I did theater, but I was also a voice major. And I remember like learning about her in one of my classes. Like we talked about her in one of my voice classes. And I'm like looking at her and I'm like, I'm, she's one of my cast members now. So it was like one of those crazy, like, why am I here moments? But like, I just remember everyone being so loving and so kind and like we all when you're just when you're a black artist and you walk in a room and see so many black artists at the met you're just like wow like this is history and this is like i'm happy to be a part of this and things like that and also which i try to teach younger kids because i was a standby in it so when you're a standby you your name can be called at any time when something happens and it's a it really was a very great way to look at a show differently just like how, like when it comes to mentally preparing yourself and stuff like that, because you're called at the same time that the people that you're covering are called, but you're backstage looking, watching on a green screen. And I, you know, for some reason, for some people that could kind of be demoralizing, but for me, it was like, it was a great way to like, look at the show differently mm-hmm. and just like pr- pr- process yourself differently and things like that. And yeah, it, it was just pretty cool. Yeah, I saw so an experience I don't think I'll ever forget. So, yeah. Well, what advice, do you give to young people who you know young artists or people who want to do this as a career or are considering any kind of you know creative field um i will say the first thing is um when it comes to advice in this career is just a couple things you make sure you have a great support system around you and 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 like that means like have people that they don't, they don't need to fully understand your passion for theater or why you do it, but they just know that this is what you want to do. This is what you're into. This is what you like. And I'm going to support you hundred percent for it. My mom has always been supportive. She's always been like, you know, this is what you want to do. Just make sure you go full throttle with it. Don't like, just ha- don't just like the idea of doing theater, but like, make sure you do it full out. My wife, who is also in the arts, so like, it's kind of, that's kind of like a, a a great bonus to that, and things like that. But then, like, I have like a lot of friends in my life who like I don't think they realize how much their support meant to me. Like, I was just a part of my friend's wedding before um I went to Myers to do the Christmas show. Like um my friend DeRoyce. And I remember like when I was coming up and like really getting in theater, I remember he would always come see my shows. Like I, I was in Susical and he came to see me run around at crazy as the cat in the hat and things like that. And like, I think, I don't think he like, you know, your friends, he doesn't really realize how much that meant to me. Like, and I'm, I'm always thankful for that. So like have a support system around you when just realize that like, you know, a lot of the times things aren't going to go your way. This business is a roller coaster, but like as long as you remember your why, it will always usually work out. And when it comes down to it, I try to t- I tell them because like I work with kids in Florida, like and I try, I try to tell every kid this: it's okay to be disappointed, it's okay to be mad, it's okay to be sad. If you if you audition for a show and like let's say they offer you on some old, you don't get the part you want, it's okay to be disappointed. It, it really is. Like you eventually have to like, you know, grow and move on from it, you know, but like, it's okay in the, in the, in the moment to be disappointed. Like I, I like, you know, there've been times I've been fortunate enough to be seen for shows on Broadway and I didn't, then I just don't get a call from them. And like, it's disappointing, but like, you know, you eventually got to move on. So like, I just want to teach them that. And like, basically the last thing is basically make sure you take time for your mental health. Mm -hmm. I've been very, very like, anyone who knows me knows I'm very vocal about mental health and it's very, it's still a new thing for me in my life in my thirties. But like, I think I, I really, I look back at my twenties when I, when I first moved to New York or like just seeing a lot of my friends out here in DC and you don't take time for your mental health. You're just like, you know, suck it up, keep it moving, keep it moving type of mindset. And, and that's okay. But like when I, I, when I witness, you know, my friends who are in their twenties, like, you know, having nervous breakdowns and things like that. Like that's made me look at my life. I'm like, you know, like make sure your mental health is okay. And like, when you do that, the right people will come around. 
they will always come around. Like, and, it, and it's like, and I will say like, if anybody professionally has an issue with you taking time for your mental health, those are people you don't really want to work with, you know, in the grand scheme. And like, I always tell people like, if they, if anyone ever holds something like that against you, look five years down the line and see where that person is. Cause usually a majority of the time they're no longer in the business. Mm-hmm. And that's just some, I've, that's just something I've learned. Like literally like every single that director who is really hard on you and tells you how hard your life is going to be like I tell people like in five years they're probably not going to be in the business (laughs) because yeah so like yeah just those are some things I can definitely say like you know just and just remember just to stay positive and have fun you know like you you can always find something good in any situation in theater you know no matter what it is so yeah do you think that that's the biggest thing that you have really struggled with when it comes to this business is mental health yeah, it is. And I will say it is, you can, I could blame the industry, but I'm not going to do that. I, I will say that like a lot of it was me self-inflicting that. And I, and I, if I can be afforded to tell a story when I, when I did Oliver, you know, when I realized I wanted to do theater, I was, and it's kind of an ironic story now because of what's coming up for me, but, um, I remember this, it was such a cool thing. Cause like it, Oliver can be a really big show if you want it to be, you can make it as big as you want. And um, I remember just like being in the ensemble and just being blown away by certain characters and stuff like that. And I remember um, being blown away by the character of Bill Sykes. I loved that character. I just loved the song. I, I, and cause like, I just remember how big I was. And I remember like always being a six foot four musical theater performer. And I was like, okay, that's the, that's kind of career wise where I want to head, head type wise and things like that. And I remember going up to, I, I won't say their names cause it's just, it's, it's not worth it, but I'm going up to the people that were running the show and like, you know, this being young, I'm like, I would love to know like what I should work on. Like, you know, like how, if, cause I would love one day to play like a character like Bill Sykes. And I remember the people, that were running the show said to me like, Kevin, to be completely honest, you probably won't have a career in this, but you know, like, you know, like have fun, enjoy yourself, you know? And like, you know, you might get something, you might get a great, this uh, this being condescending and just being like you know, that, that old school theater, you know, people, how they, how they could be like blunt, you know? And I remember being so sad and like having, just driving home from Rockville to Germantown and just being so bummed about that. And then something clicked in my head because I didn't quit, but, and I just literally was hell bent on proving them wrong. (laughs) And I was like literally hell bent on it. Like I did as much theater, Sarah, as I possibly could. (laughs) I was one of those theater people, like if I was not on stage, I was in rehearsals for a show, way off Broadway, Fredericktown players, you know, these names. Like people are like, yeah, I was (laughs) anywhere I could be, I would do theater, rest in players, adventure theater, as much theater as I possibly could. Just, and like, you know, fortunately I'm, I can probably say I'm one of the few people from that show that's still working, but like, I just was so hell bent on proving them wrong. And as much as I'm thankful that I did that because I quickly learned how to maneuver yourself in the business and things like that, I strongly do not recommend going about theater like that. And like, I was like, that was, that's something that really damaged my mental health. And it's no one's fault. It's not my mom's fault. It's not no one's fault. It's my own fault because I was so, I forgot my why at such a young age. And I was just so hell bent on proving that I could do this. Yeah. That like, it, it really like, there's some, there's certain things that you have to like, you naturally have to grow and stuff when you're in your twenties. Like, cause like, I know that you're technically, technically considered an adult at 18, but like, you know, I don't think anyone, even your parents like fully expect you to have all your stuff together by then. And there's just things that you have to like learn. And there's like certain, struggles you have to have and things like that and like I kind of like you know for for go for go all that like just like blew past all that just because I was so focused on one thing that when I like when I was like around 29 30 I was like looking back at the last 10 years I was like holy crap like I really missed out on a lot of things I missed out on weddings I missed out on like you know friends like you know trips that my friends, you know, plan. I messed out on so much just because I was so focused on theater. And then like, it was just basically like an uphill battle for me with like mental health and just basically trying to get my strength back. And it's basically, you know, like, okay, like if theater, if something happened that shut the theater world down, 
what would I do with my life type of thing. So, you know, and it was just kind of like a, that's something I've been like dealing with in my thirties. So I like, I, that's the main thing that like, it's just been my mental health. Like some of it was, but then like also on the other hand, like you, I, I love this business, but you know, there's just those people that you come across that this like, you know, will say things to you that will try to tear you down things like that. So you have that and you have that. And then you're like, you just start questioning your worth as a person and things like that. So like, yeah, it's just like, you know, basically making sure those voices stay out of your head and things like that. Like, you know, just the insecurities and things like that. But like, yeah, like when it came to mental health, I just, when I sat down one day, I was like, Kevin, you need to figure yourself out. You need to figure this out that's when like theater became much more easier for me. And then I got reminded of why I love it and things like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like to, like to answer, yeah, to answer your question, like that's been the main thing is my mental health. Like, is it is it perfect right now? No, I don't think no one's is, but like, you know, still like, you know, a constant making yourself better every day and things like that. And just having people, like I said, once again, just having people around you that understand it and get it and are supportive of it and don't take it personal or things like that, you know, so. Well, and life is hard, you know, like, like being alive, being a human is difficult, especially in, in the theater business, especially in the middle of a pandemic, like everybody is, is struggling with something right now. And And like, I remember, I remember, cause I was in Tarando, like at, on the Met. And I remember when everything was starting to go down the the emails start coming from the Met and things like that and I just remember I, I it's so crazy because I, I remember I, I said this to my wife a couple times like I was never like going I like five years ago I would have been panicking losing my mind like what am I gonna do where's my life gonna go but I was like you know what it's gonna be okay and, I, and that was like one of the first moments in my life where I was like okay so I'm, I'm heading in the right direction when it comes to like me mentally because I was like I would have been panicking five years ago but I'm like it's going to be okay. I don't know when things are going to come back, but it's everything's going to be okay. <laughs> so yeah, that was like really, uh, unfortunately great groundbreaking, like groundbreaking moment for me, even though it sucks that it had to happen with why it happened, but yeah. So. Well, yeah. and we got to talk about your play that's coming. Oh, up. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk. That's exciting. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, first of all, I, I just got to give, you know, props to Jacob Rusco, Dr. Jacob Rusco at um, Rise Above Performing Arts in Sarasota, Florida. Um, he, at the, at the end of the day, um, I've been, it, it, my play, well, first, my play is called The Unbreakable Times. It's a coming of age drama that I've been working on since I was 19. And it's based on friends that I've, I grew up with in Minnesota and things like that. It's just based on situations and things like that. And it's kind of like, you know, I think everyone goes through it and like, you know, you went through it. I think everyone went through it. Like, you know, like, okay, so where, where's my life going type of thing? When you become like that young adult, like, where do, where do I go? Where do we go from here as friends? Like, how do we, you know, and I think, and I think everyone, there's a line in a musical called Glory Days, um, which I love. It's like, when, when am I grown up or when am I still immature? Will I ever be more than just unsure? And I think that's just so true. I was like, I think so many people, no matter where they go in life, they remember that moment in their life where like, okay, this chapter, I need to change it. It's scary. So it's just kind of like this five friends coming back to Champlain, Minnesota, and is basically trying to deal with their issues as friends and is basically trying to figure out where their lives are going to go. And it's just, it's, this play has been a journey for me to say the least. I was fortunate enough to see an industry reading perform presented one night at a Broadway theater of it, which was so cool. And like before that, we got to see it presented at the Kennedy Center for their Page to Stage Festival. And then like a, like a year before that, it was, um, we did an industry reading at the Dixon Place Lounge in New York and it, and it featured Alex Brightman as the lead, you know? So uh-huh. like, it, it was like kind of cool. And then before that, the, the, um, the reading in 2015 that like put the show on the map, you know, it had Brian Charles Johnson, who was the original Otto and Spring Awakening and Matt Shingledecker who um, played Andros, who's playing Andros on the tour of Les Mis and he played Fierro and Wicked for a while. And like mm-hmm. it, like it's just it's just it's been really cool just like some of the alumni the people that I've had the chance to work with with this like you know even like Savannah Frazier and Hillary Porter and Michael Cole Gray who's become literally a face of my writing he's done almost everything I've written and he's just a fantastic actor fantastic friend and like but the one thing I love is that like everyone kind of like connects and they remember that time in their life and things like that so 
when, when, when I was on the road with um, Rachel over the summer, um, and I was just basically trying to figure out like, where's my life? Where's my career gonna go? Because I mean, like after the industry reading at the theater in New York, the Broadway theater, like there were people that were interested and then COVID came. Mm-hmm. And at this point in my life, like, yes, rejections can be frustrating, but I was like, I get it. Cause I was like, no one knows what they're doing right now. And the producer was like, you know, we will be in touch, but like, we're just trying to figure out. And, I, and at that point I was like, dude, I, I'm not even mad at you because I'm trying to figure it out. We're all trying to figure it out. And um, so like, I mean, like in a way that fell through, but I, for me, like when I was on the road with Rachel, I was like, I just want to like put, put my work up and like have it like, you know, be good memories and good experiences for like, you know, it doesn't have to be a commercial one. It could be like this for like young up and coming actors and things like that. People who want to like, you know, want this as a profession. And I remember distinctly, I think we were at, we were at Yellowstone, like Yellowstone National Park when we reached out to Jacob, like we just, I just called him one night and I was like, hey, so I just want to ask what are the odds of you, because by this time Rise Above has done nothing but musicals. And, 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 and they're just companies that are like that. And I was like, okay, cool. And I honestly, Sarah thought he was going to say no. I really thought he was just like, like Kevin, I'm sorry, we just can't, which would have been fine. But I remember reaching out to him and I was like, listen, like we now have a great alumni pool of talent who are now in college or who are now, you know, upperclassmen in college and some maybe getting ready to graduate. But like, you know, we have a great group of like alumni. I was like, I would love to bring my play here and things like that. And I just gave him the idea. And I was like, I gave him the idea of certain actors I wanted to work with. And he just was like, yeah, that sounds great. And I, I was like, wait, really? <laughs> I, I, I really thought he was, I really thought he was going to say no, because I just, I know, as you know, with like, you know, Jeremy and many others, like how, tough it is right now to try to keep theater going so I, I and I would understand if he said no but um he was like yeah that sounds great and then like you know we talked about the actors that I had in mind and a couple of them are just like you know a couple of them are like Montclair State things like that like you know um the cast is Jonah McKinley he's at Montclair State um Leah Henry who um she's um currently doing a production of Into the Woods at our college right now that's directed by Hunter Foster so that's like that's really cool for her Isabella Yoder, who um, she just got done playing Carrie and Carrie at Rise Above. Um, Todd Bellamy, who literally is, I look at him sometimes, I'm like, you're like a 19 year old me. It's kind of scary. Like, like, like physically <laughs> type wise and things like that. And he's at, he's at Florida AMU, FAMU University right now. And then um, Owen DeMeo is the lone high school student that we have in the show. And he, Sarah, is just, I don't want to like go into too many details, but like, I don't, it's, it's, it's scary. Like, like how good he is at this point at 16 and hasn't even scratched the surface of his potential. And so I like, I literally, when I saw him, like he's, he's literally, he's been like, he's one of rise above, like one of the rise above kids and he's played Lurch in Adam's family. And he's also played Tony in West Side Story. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, I, like he's gonna go into an audition in in about five years, and and someone's gonna be like, I don't believe this resume. This resume can't be real. Like he's literally just a chameleon. It is insane. So like I literally, um, yeah. They and I remember like they we all gave them offers, and they were really excited, and they're all so unbelievably talented. We have like we and we recently just like announced our understudies, like you know one of which. Um, was in the international and national tour of Annie. Her name is Bridget Marsh and things like that. So like we have a pretty solid cast, you know, things like that. And um, it's it's going up in June at Rise Above and like we're going to do two weekends of it. And like, it's just kind of like my whole goal right now is to not get too anxious because I know that we still have time until the first rehearsal. But like, it's just been an exciting time. It's, it's been exciting to like, it's, it's exciting and it's inspiring because the one thing that um, this industry, I think, um, needs to start doing more of is start celebrating and start trying to introduce new works to the world. Mm-hmm. And th- the easiest thing to do is to fall back on things that have been that have been like you know shown to be successful and things like that. And I just think that like you know I just really like I said I want to give Jacob Rusco and rise above performing arts like I just really want to give them all the credit in the world that they're opening the door for a you know a new show and to be honest they're opening the door for a black playwright which is also a very important thing for me like you know because he like they really didn't have to do that and like he was just very open and very supportive and like yeah it's 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 a very it's a very surreal thing that like out of all the things in the world like 
that my show would be getting a premiere after a pandemic. <laughs> like, cause I was like, I was like, to me, like it, it, when you're a writer with new works, that's the last time, that's the last thing you would think would get when you would get a premiere. But like, like for the fact that he's doing that, it's wonderful. And I'm just excited. I, I gotta, I'm just excited. Like this is the most exciting I've ever been to like finally see it up on its feet, not in front mm -hmm. of music stands and a stage reading, like to actually like, you know, bring blocking into it and things like that. It's just, it's just an exciting time. So yeah. Congratulations. That <laughs> That is so exciting. And especially because you've been working on it for so long now. Yeah. It's, it's, um, there's a, the thing about it, like a lot of people will be very surprised with some of their favorite shows on how long some people, how long they've worked on it. Like I know, um, and that's what kind of gave me some assurance because I was like, okay, it's not just me that like is working on something for over 10 years. Like the first official workshop of Spring Awakening, the musical was in 1999. A lot of people don't realize that. Like it was like a long time ago, yeah. you know, <laughs> and things like that. And like, I just remember, um, you know, like I remember the, um, the movie, like the movie 12 Years a Slave, like um, that he was working on that for like close to 20 years before someone finally gave it a chance. So it's just like, it, it, it's like, you know, it can, people don't realize like New Wars can take a long time. It can take a very, very long time. Like Lin-Manuel work, worked on Hamilton for six years before he even like let someone hear a song. So it's just like, mm -hmm. like you just, it, the one thing about New Work is just like, if, if anybody wants advice, it's just patience. And like, don't think that you're doing something wrong you know and like don't like it always believe believing your work and believe that it is it, it's, it's possible you know so yeah and, and I think you know when you are ready to sort of show it to other people or present yeah. it to the world don't be afraid to put it out there exactly like no no you're so right Sarah like the, the one thing that um and I'm also thankful because um for someone I have to give him some love in Ken Wolf at the Manhattan Repertory Theater he puts on like all these little festivals and things like that. And I remember like, he would always say like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Like, he's like, okay, so like there's a, a scene or it falls flat. He's like, it's not the end of the world. He's like, just put your, put your work up. Like, what's the worst that can possibly happen? Okay, so it's not ready. All right, we'll keep working on it. You know, this <laughs> is like, that's just kind of how it is. That's why I was like, you know, for some people like, like, you know, Alex Reitman said something one time, which I love. It's like, I don't believe that there's, I don't think there's a such thing as a bad show. I think there are too many people that work too hard on the show for it to be a bad show mm -hmm. you know and like even like and there's like you know there's gonna be the Broadway flops I remember me and um me and my wife Rachel saw getting the band back together which didn't <laughs> didn't really last that long on Broadway but like the one thing that we like the, the entire time we were saying this we we're like this is a very talented cast you know and then I was like and like they're they're they really made you know their flaws in it but they, they really made something of this show so it's like no matter what you don't really have a bad show you know and that that's just that's one thing I always tell people, like, there's, like, some of my friends who write stuff, and they never want to, like, present it. I'm just like, why? Like, yeah. if, if it's just, if it's just a personal thing, then, okay, great. But, like, if you want to do something with it, like, you know, present it. Like, you know, go in a living room and, like, you know, read it to your friends. Like, what's the worst that can happen, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, what, what's the worst? They can say... I hate it <laughs> or that place sucked. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. And, and, and the thing about it, like, I, I get, I get all of that with the past 10 years of when it comes to unbreakable time, I've heard it all. I've heard it's too Dawson's Creekish. I've heard <laughs> the, some of the silliest things like that. And I'm just like, okay. But like, and then like for a long time, I got offended by that. But then like, I realized that maybe that's just my style of writing, like that coming of age style of writing and things like that. And then like, you know, I then like people will like, you know, started to get used to my style of writing and things like that. And then like, they were like, like people would tell me for, people told me for like, and this is going to make me sound like I'm tuning my horn, horn, Sarah, but I'm really not. But um, people like for like about a year and a half to two years, like Kevin, you should really watch This Is Us. This reminds me so much of your writing. I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. And then me and my wife finally started watching it. I was like, oh my God, this is flattering. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you guys think this of my writing? Thank you so much. They're like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> and things like that. So like, yeah, it's just... Yeah, it's just like, don't be nervous when it comes to like your art. You should be proud of your art, no matter who you are. Like, don't ever be ashamed of it. So. Yeah. And, you know, not everybody is going to like what you do. And, yeah. and that's okay. 
that's totally like it, fine. It's shocking, but there are some people in this industry that do not like Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> you know, it's just like it, it happens. You know, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, so yeah, that's just how it is. You know, people have their opinions and they're completely entitled to them. So right. I mean, I don't know. I always bring up. It's like the musical Cats. I feel mm-hmm. like people either love or they hate cats. Like if people have like extreme feelings about cats, the yeah. <laughs> No, for me, like honestly, like I um, I love the Phantom of the Opera. I'm I'm gonna say it proudly. I love <laughs> the Phantom, but like and, and like I remember like when I finally like my wife, I brought it. Me and my wife went to go see it. She's like, I can understand why you like this, <laughs> you know, because like this, it's there's epicness. But she, you know, like, is it was it her favorite? Probably not. But for me, I was like, I could watch this every week if I could, you know. I just think it's so epic and so great, you know. So it's just like acquired taste, you know, like you know. Yeah. So Phantom was actually the first Broadway show that I ever saw, and yeah. I was in elementary school, and it was. I mean, like I wanted to go to New York for years and years and years, and we yeah. and we just they're like, oh, it's too. My parents were like, it's too expensive. We can't afford it. La la la. You know, the price of Broadway show tickets, and this was back in the '90s when they were even cheaper than what they currently are. Yeah. But we eventually went. I was 11 years old. It was the most exciting, I think, moment of my life, and yeah. we went to go see the phantom of the opera and i was actually a little bit kind of scared of it with all like the the, the fog and you know what i mean in the special and like the chandelier falling and the special effects it was a little scary but the next night we got to see two broadway shows so the first one was phantom and my parents like really wanted to see that and i was kind of like eh, you know like whatever about it being 11 yeah but but i actually i i i saw the second you're just gonna die the second show that we saw was the original broadway cast of ragtime that is freaking awesome and i i mean as an 11 year old like i love ragtime is one i think it's in my top three favorite shows of all time yeah. i love it so much it's so good i've done yeah i've done it twice no i yeah i i concur like yes yeah, it's, it's that's how i met my wife believe mm. it or not. now that i think about it we were i was working for a theater company in florida and um mm-hmm. she was she i was in the, the black ensemble she was in the white ensemble and like yeah she um that's how we met she if you remember the, if you um i played matthew henson if you remember that one scene you know <laughs> where like he's like trying to shake the hands with the father like it all still set admiral and then um oh she, yeah and she um played um bridget like the maid uh-huh. <laughs> so like she we both had these little like fun little cameo parts in the show but yeah that's how that's how we met we met five years ago during ragtime so Aww. yeah <laughs> i love that it's, it's a yeah. ragtime love story right yeah it's kind of cool it's like it was it's kind of interesting it, it, that was a really interesting show because um the guy that played willie conklin his wife was in the black ensemble so it was really interesting yeah. and, he, and like like bless his heart bless his heart he was just like I just I, I was like we know dude it's fine he's like he just he felt he felt uncomfortable saying his lines but we were like dude you're awesome but yeah. it, was just, it was just so ironic like with how that was but like yeah it was it was a, that was an that was an experience to say the least so yeah well, I just think that Ragtime is one of those shows that is so powerful and is so, you know, the message of the, the music is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, I think that Ragtime should be like done everywhere all the time. <laughs> like every year they should revive Ragtime because it is like, it is a story that people need to see and need to hear over and over and over and over again. It's so powerful and meaningful. Yeah, it's, um, I feel, and the one thing I, I hate is that I feel like I was kind of late to the party with Ragtime because when I, um, I remember um, my voice teacher, Dr. Donnelly um, at Montgomery College, like I was 18. And I'm still like, you know, when you're, you're a young theater person, you try to be an encyclopedia, but you just, there's just some shows that slip past you. And I remember like heard this like saying to me one time after a voice was like, have you ever heard the ragtime music? I was like, and then she just basically gave me like Cole House Soliloquy and like make them hear you and things like that. And she just taught them to me. And then she um like in the next voice lesson, she made me sing them. She's like, you need to learn this part. <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> and like, I was yeah. like, yeah, she's like, you should, you should learn this part. I was like, okay. And then like, I finally saw a production of Ragtime at Toby's Dinner Theater. <laughs> and, yeah, and um, yeah, it's, um, I was like, okay. In that moment, I was like, okay, it makes sense now. A very, I saw a very young Kevin McAllister as Cole House. And 
I was like, okay, I, I get, I get it now. I get why, why she keeps throwing this show at me or not throwing the show, but like telling me that I need to learn this show and things like that. Yeah. But you're completely right. It's, 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 it's eerie. It's eerily timeless that like, it's yeah. kind of like still current, yes. but it's, um, yeah, it, you're right. It's a show that should be done a lot. Done. Yes. It, I, I feel like it's done respectively a lot, but I think it should be done way more. <laughs> I agree. I mean? Yeah. I, I agree. Um, I mean, it's still, it's one of those shows that I always like come, I, I love like whenever anybody asks me, oh, like what kind of music do you listen to? And I'm such yeah. a musical theater nerd that <laughs> yeah. it's almost always, oh, I just listened to original Broadway cast yeah, recording. No, I, I no, every every person has that. I had that phase as well where I had a book of just soundtracks for my yeah. car. <laughs> I feel that, yeah. And like, yeah, just, I, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And so Ragtime is those one of those ones that always keeps coming around for me. And I'm like, wow, this is a show that mm. takes place in the early 1900s. Mm. And so, and now we are uh, over a hundred years later and almost all of the challenges and struggles and problems in that show, a hundred years later, we're as a society, as a world, we're all still struggling with the same things. A hundred was- years later. It was, um, no, you're right. And, but the, the one thing, um, it was, it, I was in a weird place um, when we worked together. I, I remember Sarah, that I was kind of in a weird place and I, and I felt, and I was so thankful that I, I know, and I'm like transitioning into another musical, but I was so thankful in that moment to have Little Mermaid in my life. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling people that because like, when you look like me, and then things like George Floyd and things like that yeah. happen. Like, I was really frustrated and really angry. And I was really mad at, but like, you know, when, when I'm finally in a show where, you know, the lead is telling you not every human is like that, that really, and I remember like, you know, I hope Jocelyn understands how much that I needed that in that moment. Cause I could have instantly gone red with like just the way the world was and like you know like not every human is like that you know there are still good humans in this world and things like that for me translating that into like not every white person is like that you know yeah and like and just and just sort of like you know that and then like for the fact that like Jeremy is just one of those guys that just gets it and things like he just gets it like I said things to him and he just understood and I'll and he was like I'm not gonna tell you how to live your life I just get it dude and I that like so like just speaking of ragtime and things like that and just like you know how we met I was like that was what I needed in that moment and things like that and then like you know the likes of like Leonard and Preston and many others I could speak of that were just so awesome and like so yeah like I just yeah you're right it's it's it, ragtime and stuff like that is like you know it is something that needs to be done but like you know I the one thing that you know I have to like remind myself personally is that like you know you gotta remember that like there is good that is happening and there are people who want want to change who want to help change want to make yeah. change and things like that and like it and like you know it it can there a lot of things are very black and white you know things like that and like you know me and my wife who are were in a racial marriage like you know there are just some things yeah. that I'm not going to understand from her side and there's some things that she's not going to understand but like you know we both we, we we're both on the same team and like you know it's just kind of like a great reminder of that and things like that and yeah, that and theater is just a theater is a beautiful thing when it comes to things like that as well. Because like you can just meet people who just like you know kind of are willing to understand and not willing to like try to counter you and things like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, and the end, like even you know the next thing that I'm gonna say, it's like making me tear up a little mm-hmm. bit just even thinking about it because the end. So ragtime is it's a long musical, like it, like yeah. it's it's almost three hours long. It's all like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a long show. It's, I mean, very, you know, it's almost all completely sung through. So like very yeah. vocally demanding. And the very end of the show is where, you know, I'm sure people who listen know, or maybe you don't know Ragtime or haven't seen it, but it's mother who is this white woman, her husband uh, passes away and, and she's she- a- and she ends up remarrying an immigrant. Yeah, Tate, yeah. Yeah, Tate. And he is a single parent, which that's, I'm a single parent. So like, that's yeah. really relatable to me right now. And mm-hmm. he has a little girl and they came to America. You know, he came there to make a better life for his child. Yeah. And they are, they adopted um, 
Cole House Jr. Cole, yeah, Cole House Jr. Cole yeah. House Jr., which is a little black boy. Yeah, and, and like when every time he would run on stage at the end of the show, he stole the entire show. Oh, we were, like, we've, we've been working for three hours. I was like, this little boy runs on stage at the end and it steals the show. We yes. look every night. <laughs> well, because it, oh my god, yeah. like it is such a powerful moment because you yeah. watch you watch this little immigrant girl and this little white boy and then this little black boy run on the stage and it's these three kids who are like like I'm literally tearing up right now just talking about yeah, it. Yeah, it's like because that's the world that we're working towards is equality and everybody oh, yeah. yes and like working and loving each other and you know it doesn't matter what you look like it doesn't matter what your race is like yeah. and, and I think and that also goes in like it's such a beautiful moment like the, the three of those little kid those children playing together and, yeah, and, and, and they are equals they're equals and like it, it just reminds you of a lot of things it reminds you that certain things are taught and it reminds you that like, you know, they, like, you know, no one comes into this world hateful and things like that. And like, you know, and it's it just like, you know, it just, it reminded, it just, yeah. Like it, it reminded me of, um it just reminded me of my childhood. And this reminded me of like, you know, maybe there was racism that like I was encountering, but like, I just remember my friends, like we, well, we all came from different backgrounds and we were always just friends. And like, I've stayed in touch with a lot of them to this day and things like that. So it's just like that. And that it's, um yeah, it's, Hopefully, hopefully in my lifetime, I w we can see that change, but you know, right. You know, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's sort of, um, you know, I always ask people, how do you want to see things change in the theater world, especially as we come out of this pandemic? And I know we've, I, we've kind of talked about it a little bit already. For, for me, um, there's a lot of things I would like to see. <laughs> I, we could talk about this for a long time, but um, the, the one main thing I would like to see in the theater world is let's reinvest in what is considered a traditional leading male and a traditional leading female. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think, um, I, I just, I don't believe that every, every Glenda has to be a size two. You, you know what I mean? I don't believe that, like, I, I really, it, like, I just, I don't believe that. I, cause I, I look at some people, some girls and I look at, and, and, and like, let's just face it. I'm just going to say it like it is. And like, if anybody else who's listening to this disagrees, that they're wrong. But women have it far harder than men do in our industry. They just do. Because mm -hmm. because it's a lot of things. Like, you have to worry about your appearance and things like that. And then by the time, you know, for women, when they're 28, they're, they're over the hill. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and things like that. And I think that's, I, I think that's so, excuse me, that's so fucking dumb. <laughs> it really yeah. is. And I just, I think that like, you're not like, it's, it's ridiculous to like go about things like that. So like, for me, I just would like for that to be changed. You know, I would like for like, you know, if you're, if you're good enough for the part, like as a woman, I think you should play the part. I, and I know that there are certain things, sometimes you have to look a certain way. That's fine. But like, I just refuse to believe that someone who comes in with a callback who's a size 12 is not as good as the person who's a size four when they probably have similar careers and similar resumes. I just don't, I just don't believe that should be yeah. the case. I um, think that um, I personally, when it comes down to it, I like like when it comes to like untrad or untraditional cast or seeing like, you know, PLCs and parts that they would never play. I like where it, we're going. I hope that we can keep going with that. But like for me personally, and I said this, I said this like over summer things like that. And I've said it to my wife and people, I'm like, Norm Lewis is one of my heroes, you know? And like, and like, he really is. He's someone that I, I kind of try to pattern myself off of as a performer sometimes, I think it's like that. And, and when he played King Triton on Broadway, when I saw that, I was like, I gotta play that part. You know, because of Norm, but I was like, I really want to play that part. But I also remember that remember that he had a white understudy. So I just remember like if I know where we are with Little Mermaid, but if I went to a show and saw a white King Triton, you know, <laughs> and it's kind of funny that we could say that now. <laughs> but like, yeah. like if I'm really I really am not gonna lose. I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna lose sleep over that. Like I like I'm really not. I'm like, I don't think that that should be the end of the world, but I do like when it comes down to it, I do hope like if you can make things diverse, then I feel you should go for it. You know, like I think you should try to go that route just to show what the world looks like. But like if, you know, you should also know your community and things like that. So like that should be depending on like, you know, what shows you want to bring to that community. But yeah, like that. And I just, I just really hope that um, 
when it comes to the educational aspect of theater, the one thing that, um, this is a silly idea, but the one thing I would love for like a lot of colleges and universities to do is that a lot of these kids are coming into these programs with the idea of theater, of like a theater career. Uh, they, they, they come in with the idea of Broadway, things like that. And I'm not gonna say that's wrong. Go right ahead. If, if you want Broadway, go for it go for it. It's going to be a tough road, but go for it. But like, I think for me, like if I was running these departments, the one thing I would love for them to do is they would give a kid a song, like the 16 to 32 bar song. And for the entire four years that they're at the, at their school, they have to learn, they have to sing that song every month in front of like a panel, the same song for four years, because there are times where like kids are so focused and they're, they're in educational theater for such a long time that they don't realize like, you know, you might be doing a show, the same show for a long period of time. When I did my, my national tour of blues journey, I did the same show for five months at 22. It was a great experience, but I was not, I wasn't ready. Cause I just, I never prepared myself for that. And like, you know, like, and I just think like it would be really great for kids to learn that type of retention in college. Like, you know, every, every month, like, you know, like just pick like certain people to be on a panel in the department and like, they have to sign up and they have to sing the song. They have to like, uh, like they have to do an audition every month. I think that would be beneficial. I know, and like, I know some people may think that it sounds crazy, but I was like, it will really, really help them. And like, make it be like a song that like, you know, it's probably like their least favorite song. Like you have to find a way to keep it alive every month, you know, for, for four mm -hmm. straight years. And I think that would really help, help a lot of kids. And I think like when it comes down to it, I also, the last thing is like, I really want to eliminate um, the old timer theater people saying, telling kids how tough their life is going to be doing theater. That, you don't learn anything from that. Like, I, I really don't, I remember like constantly being told, well, you're gonna have a tough life doing theater and things like that with teachers. And I just would sit there like, okay, so what should I expect, you know, other mm -hmm. than like this tough life, like, like, what should I prepare for, you know? So like, I just think like, you know, constantly telling kids how miserable their lives are going to be isn't, is not helping them. Like tell them, give them real advice on theater, you know, like, you know, give them advice on like how it actually is to live in New York, you know, cause like there's those kids who go to New York, they walk up and down Midtown for a couple of days and they think this is theater life. Like, no, like you should go if you have a friend in New York who's older than you, go stay with them, take the subway, prepare yourself, like realize that you have to like get up even earlier to get to that open call, go to an open call, do things like that, you know, like live like that, like, you know, go see what it's actually like in New York other than just going to a couple Broadway shows. Cause like, that's just the, the glamor part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, just, just be like, you know, when it comes out to like the industry, just like, you know, I, do believe in types and things like that. I was like, and I do believe like, if you just figure out what your strengths are and you figure out like how you are, that's going to make the world of difference with how easy your career can be. Like a lot of like, I, I grew up like with all my theater friends in college and stuff like that. Like I just, for me, I just, I knew what I looked like and I knew where my career was gonna go. And I just kind of instantly kind of knew my type. Mm -hmm. So like, I just remember, like for me, it, it was beneficial to learn that early because I was like, okay, I don't need to like, why would I go to this audition for Newsies? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like what, what would benefit me doing that? Like, you know, but like my friends who, Alex Pepper, who can do like a quadruple pirouette, like uh, out of the sleep, like that's perfect for him, you know? But like, for me, like, you know, I just now know how to maneuver auditions and things like that. It's just the right thing, something you should learn. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny that you bring up Alex Pepper because uh, Alex and I, we did West Side Story together when we were in high school. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So, so, so long ago. And actually yeah. he's, I think I'm going to, I should ask him if he wants to be a guest on the podcast. Yeah, like, he's a good, he's a really good dude, man. You know, he's, he, um, th there's another play that I wrote and like he did the promo video for it and he's really good with that as well. He's, yeah. he's quite the Renaissance. And like, I know he, um, I think he did South Pacific, the national tour of that. He's a, mm -hmm. he's a good dude. He was my Tulsa when I did gypsy. So like, yeah, that's yeah. we've met like a long time ago doing that. So yeah. Oh yeah. Super talented. Excellent dancer. So nice. Nicest guy um, you'll ever meet. Yeah. Yeah. Super kind. 
Yeah. Um, and just sort of like listening to you talk about, uh, you know, like theater programs and colleges and professors and you're right because every, I mean, like, yes, a life in the theater, it is going to be hard. Like, yeah. duh, it's gonna, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a linear career. It's, you don't climb, there's no ladder to climb. It's so, yeah, you're, it, sometimes you're going to be working. Sometimes you're not going to be working like in, and, and I think it would be more helpful if teachers, like instead of saying oh it's going to be really hard okay why don't you give me the tools yeah to get through the hard times <laughs> exactly and like it's it's just like and like I'm, I'm gonna go back to little mermaid again like those like you know all those young mer sisters like i'm looking at it like this and i and i've said this to my i said this to rachel a number of times i can only imagine what it's like going to the school right now with a pandemic and pretty much you're, you're excited to go to this theater department and you can't do anything. <laughs> I'm like these, and like the one thing I was like, we have to give like the younger generation far more credit than what we do. They are smarter than we all think. And I think, I think they, I think they know that this is a tough business. <laughs> I was like, I just, I just think that they know by this point that this is a tough business. Like, I think if I talk to like Reagan or, or Sophie or any of them, they're like, we know, like, like I don't like, let me tell you how tough this is. Like they know. You know, so it's just like, you know, like giving them, giving them the right tools, like just giving them, I would love for the young generation to get the things that like I didn't get. And God, that sounds so mean to say that, but like, you know, like, I mean, like I got the proper tools when it came to performing and technique and things like that. But like, the only thing I was really told was just how tough the business is, but I'm like, okay, I know that, like, what else should I expect, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and Little Mermaid was such a special show. It's such a great cast of people. I mean, just truly a delight. And I think we we really all needed that at that time last year. And I think one of my favorite theater memories was on opening night of the show, you got everyone, I mean, such incredible, like you're such a gracious gift giver. (laughs) And you got everybody like these beautiful opening night presents. It's so kind. I was um it it, it was a lot of, my my wife is the gift giver in our in our relationship and things like that. And she's I think she's rubbed off on me, but I just the one thing I do remember was like how long I've wanted to do Little Mermaid and I just remember from the get-go how kind everyone was and things like that. And like there there was no there was no tension in the beginning of the show and like it was just it was a cool experience. And I just remember like just like even when I my first rehearsal like everyone, like, you know, all the, like my daughter's coming up and hugging me and just things like that. Everyone just being so kind. And I just was like, I wanted to, I just was so gun-ho on making sure I did this. So I was like, I want some, I want this to be remembered. Cause I remember like Jeremy kept saying like, you know, there's, you're never going to have like that first show back post pandemic. And like, this is, this is that show. And he was so right. He was so right. I was just like, I just wanted, it was, I just, I don't know. I just felt like it was just the least I could do, you know, <laughs> especially I was like, cause I was like, um, you know, Jeremy took a chance on me and I was just like, I just, he's, he's giving people an opportunity during a tough time. And, you know, we all came together and we all wanted the same thing. And it just, it was cool. And I remember like my, um, when Rachel said she came to see the show, she was like, she was like, I got choked up a little bit. Cause I was like, holy crap, I'm watching live theater and things like that. It was just like, yeah. wow, like this is actually happening. This is crazy. So like, it was just, yeah, I, I'm forever going to be thankful for that experience. I'm going to be for, thankful for everyone in that experience. Like everyone, everyone will always have a special place in my heart. So yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Um, this has been like, I mean, like, I feel like I, I, I got a little choked up in the middle of this interview. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, um yeah, I, this like seriously I appreciate you Sarah like this is wonderful I really you know I'm so happy for you that you decided to like do this podcast I remember like the beginnings of it and you like talking about how you want to do it and like to me I just think like it takes I'm not gonna say courage but like you know I just think it's 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 really cool that you did you're doing this and I really wish you nothing but amazing success and yeah thank you so much for thank you Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you. No. And, and yeah, I forgot. You're right. You were, I had this idea to start this podcast in the middle of Little Mermaid rehearsal. Yeah. And like, it's just like, and for the fact that like, you didn't, you didn't let the voice, like that, that voice that everyone has get in their head, like maybe you shouldn't do this. No, like you did that. And like, you, you're doing it. That's freaking awesome. Like, it's so cool. Like, it's like, I think that's amazing. Like continue to do it and keep it going. Seriously. I, I've, I've listened to a lot of them and I love them. 
Thank so, you. That, yeah. that means so much to me. My I, my goal is to definitely uh, get up to at least a hundred episodes, and yeah. I already have thirty you know plus episodes out right now. So I'm like a hundred. I, I think I I might get up to one hundred and fifty, maybe two hundred. I don't know. <laughs> and the thing about it is like you know like because like you know with my series for Unstage Blog, it's like a rolling. It's like literally like oh. A snowball rolling downhill like the, you, you like you do it and then like you're like holy crap like I, I've done a hundred of these like like over the summer like my my hundredth interview was with Samantha Barks and I was like wow how did this happen so like it just will gradually get bigger you're like wait okay um cool you know so like yeah just keep it going like seriously that's it's so cool I love it so yeah, yeah. well here's to I don't know here, here's to um keeping on keeping on in, in the middle exactly. of this pandemic and I think uh, continuing to do things that bring you joy likewise thank you so much I really appreciate it Sarah